Englishman in San Diego. At Meanwhile Comic Con, Worthing 2018. Thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, here at uh, Worthing for a Meanwhile. Um, I know this is the second Meanwhile event, so we're kind of getting ourselves nicely uh, introduced to the uh, comics convention landscape. But uh, the great thing about uh, these shows is we get some great uh, homegrown talent to come and talk to us. And um, we get ourselves uh, some people who are very much from Worthing, because it's safe to say that um, Tank Girl is a Worthing lass, you could almost. Yeah. 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 You well, could say. Well, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. So, quick introduction, my name is Leonard Sultano, I run a website called An Englishman in San Diego. I, it's basically about comic conventions and comic culture, and as part of running the site, I get to talk to these interesting people. We have ourselves, can you make some noise, please? Alan Martin, who is uh, co-creator and writer of Tango, and over there, somewhere, uh, we have, now this is where I always get wrong, purely because um, of the way that... <laughs> it's the surname that gets me because he also has it inverted on his uh, Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, can you make some noise for Warwick Cadwell Johnson? Johnson Cadwell. You just told me as well. So, um, what we're going to be talking about is Tank Girl. Um, and like I say, uh, born, you could say, in a worthing. Because you did you study uh, in at Worthing, or was it the yeah. pair of you, yourself and Jamie? Is this where you met? Me and Jamie both went to what was Worthing Art College, and which then mutated, if that's the right word, into uh, <laughs> Northbrook College. So um, I went to school here. So I went to school uh, primary school in Thomas a Beckett. Then I went up to Durrington High School. Any locals in the building? You're all, yeah, you're, you're, you know where he's talking about. So, yeah, then I went to Durrington High School, okay. which was sort of like going to prison after being in this sort of <laughs> idyllic little village school. And, uh, and then we escaped. And, and in high school, I met a guy called Philip Bond, who had moved down from Southport uh, near Liverpool. And his dad was a professional comic artist who worked on Roy of the Rovers and lots of, like, 70s um, sports comics. There was a lot... Back in the 70s, the comics industry in Britain was quite huge, and every genre was covered, and there were a lot of football comics just for boys and a lot of comics just for girls, um, that, which are now all gone. But Philip's dad um, was very, a very prolific artist, and, but he was also a uh, born-again Christian. He moved down to Worthing to work for the, um, the Christian Publicity Organisation, I think it was called. So his whole family moved down with him, and suddenly Philip turned up at Durrington High School and sat down next to me. I had... Uh, Were you the reprobates at the back of the room? I, well, actually, yeah, I was. I used to sit next to a guy in maths called Michael Jones, who is now a local estate agent. And okay. um, we used to like sort of raise hell, and we got separated. And he had to go and sit at the back of the class. This is maths class, so if you're thinking of becoming an estate agent, you don't need maths. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can muck about as much as you like in maths class. He was sent to the back of the class, and I had to sit by myself at a, a, a double desk. And then when Philip was brought in as the new kid, 
it, they just pointed at the desk next to me. So uh-huh. he sat down next to me, and I just and he immediately started drawing comics on his maths nice. exercise book, and I, I sort of looked at what he was doing and was just amazed at the. How how big were you into comics at that point? I mean, as much as any seventies kid, you know, yeah. it was the, they were just part of life. You know, two thousand AD had just but come that's, out. That's what so. I was going because I don't think we actually covered this when we talked at Chichester. We didn't actually talk about what your comics reading was because you you definitely when we talked it was more of that you came into um, certainly the creation of uh, Tangela and your professional career as an illustrator, but as a comics fan, I mean, what were you, what were you reading? I just I was reading what everybody yeah, else was. Yeah. I was reading Battle and Warlord and 2000 AD and um, everything that you could just buy in every newsagent at yeah. that point in time. Uh, so I didn't really know. You know, I used to get the the marked down copies of DC comics that you'd find in some newsagents, yeah. secondhand racks. Um, but I didn't really follow those. The ones I followed were 2000 AD and Action Comic as well as another big one. Um, yeah, so, um, so but he, that, but that he, he was, he was that was the big the impact. Desk. That was the big impact on my life, yeah. where comics sort of meteor sort of fell into my onto my planet, okay. and it was that there was Philip, and suddenly, and he knew more about comics. He knew of artists' names. You know, right. I didn't even know there were artists at that point. Comics just sort of appeared, of and you bought did. them, you read them, and you gave them away, or you, yeah. yeah. So. Um, so Philip had this sort of wealth of knowledge and this real passion for drawing comics. So we started doing things for Durrington High School School Magazine, which was just like a little photocopied thing. Um, and um, we started, because we were a little bit geeky, you know, we were always just reading comics in the schoolyard. Mm. We started to hide away at break time in the art room. And... So eventually we sort of became the art club and right. um, that and from there the and from there there was nowhere yeah. left to go when we left school but to art college. Right. So we came out at sixteen and went straight into um, Worthing Art College, which was called the West Sussex College of Art and Design at that point, and had an annex at Homefield and the big building in Union Place which they tragically have destroyed. <laughs> But um, um, so we went there for a few years. We both studied graphic design. I was about that was going to be my next question. Did you go to art college with the intention of learning the way to make comics? Or I mean, was comics no. a, a goal at that point? Not at all. No. Or was it because the, the old the old adage that you know don't put your kid on the stage, don't put your kid making comics because there's yeah. no real. Uh, money well, no, there, we, we, so it was illustration that you. Were it was going never for. really. It, we never really thought about it as a career path. I yeah. don't know whether I can't. Don't know if I can say that for Phil, but because I mean, he seemed driven from an early, yeah, early time looking into his career. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he, yeah, he was a great comic artist. Yeah. but he was still he was into sculpture and doing everything else oh, wow. that we did. But and then we kind of as you as because we did like a foundation year, it sort of the field narrowed and you had to start choosing sure. which direction you were going. So we both ended up doing graphic design, and then when we came to the end of that three years, um, we had uh, the option of either going out to do a degree somewhere, or the new uh, building that had opened up at Goring where it was amalgamating with the techno- technological college from uh, Broadwater. Okay. 
they had a TV studio. And we were like, they've got a TV studio. We've got to get in there and get hold of these cameras because we were just really interested in not just making movies, but animation as sure. well. So we signed up for that. And we were like the guinea pig first year that had ever actually been up there. And we had all this brand new equipment. Is this, is this where you're learning at the same time as the instructors <laughs> were learning? The, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. No one knew what the hell was going on. Nobody knew what the course was even. Um, so we turned up there and... At that point in time, a um, graphics moved up there as well, and um, there was a, there's an art college, or there was an art college in Horsham, and um, lots of people. There was an influx of students who did a foundation there and came down to to Worthing. So a whole bunch of new kids turned up, not on the uh, like two years below us, and in that bunch of kids was a guy called Jamie Hewlett, and Jamie drew comics. He didn't draw them anywhere near as good as Philip, but he drew <laughs> comics. And suddenly Philip and Jamie were just like magnets. They were just wow. stuck. They were like, right, you know, they were just in each other's pockets drawing all Did the time. Did you feel a bit jealous at some point? No, not at all, no. Because, well, you know, still at that point... my mate. No, no, well, we, you know, the, the comic thing was what stuck them together. But yeah. as a gang, there was a whole bunch of us who were Did it friends, feel like so. a gang at that point? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we... So and the we, weekends must have been... Yeah, and we titled <laughs> ourselves as a gang yeah. the 633 Squadron, which wow. we're actually selling uh, replica patches on, on our stall today of, of that gang. That, 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 that patch was designed by Jamie and Philip in 1987. What stuff, I mean, beyond Tank Girl? Because um, as far as I'm aware, if I know the story... Um, if I, it was it a case of Jamie did a sketch and someone then had a, there was a photo of a tank that someone kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, what happened what was, was we, we decided we were going to do a fanzine. Yeah. So with all of this, you know, with all this talent around, we had other friends who kind of did comics, but they were quite good at just putting images and words together. Yeah. Um, we decided we were going to do our own homemade comic and take it up to what was then called uh, UCAC, which was the UK Comic Art Convention. Yeah, no, you got it right. Yeah, um, and, and sell copies of it, and also sell copies to our friends around, around college. So we started putting together uh, this comic called Atom Tan, and Atom Tan was the lead character, which was something that Philip had, uh, had designed. Jamie did his own strip called Max Nasty, yeah. um, which still, at that point, was a much lesser sort of qualified, artistically qualified piece than, than, than Phillips. And um, I did various bits and bobs and threw in ideas and did a few pages, and so did our other friends. And, um, but but it, when it came to the point where we were ready to go to press, which essentially was stealing the staff photocopier key and uh, sneaking into the, into the staff room at break time, and running off uh, like hundreds of copies, hundreds of A3 <laughs> sheets of paper. Uh, we still had a sheet, we still had an A4 page left. So we, um, Jamie just drew a big girl mm. with like, as he did at that point in time, holding a big gun, big chest, big thighs, you know, spiky hairdo, everything that he was, everything that he sort of loved at that point sure. in time. Um, and also, uh, we'd been calling everything, we'd been using the word, the suffix 
Girl a lot because Supergirl had been around a couple of right. years before the the um, the Hollywood the first Hollywood movie of Supergirl. So we called ev everything something girl. And Philip had a, a strip called Rocket Girl. You know, but there were certain girls at college who were like you know Mars Bar Girl or whatever. You know, the, the, everything had girl. So Jamie drew this picture. And, and we needed to complete it quickly. So I went into the studio next door. This is up at, still up at Northbrook. And there was product design where people design products. They designed 3D objects and they were designing headphones. Yeah. And um, our friend John, he was designing headphones based on World War II tank driver headphones. So um, he had his desk. Lots was, of reference photos. His de yeah, his desk was covered in photocopies of tanks. And I just said, can I have one of these? Grabbed it and took it back. And Jamie slapped his, cut out his picture and slapped it down over the top of the photocopy. And then he just wrote Tank Girl. And that was it. That was it. That was, and then it went into the comic. We photocopied it, sold it. Everyone sort of liked it. You know, we took it up to the comic convention, did what we thought we were going to do with it. And, and, and forgot about Tank Girl. It was just one page. I was page. just going to say, was, I'm yeah. guessing there were the other characters in the book that you were thinking were going to be mm. the big breakout. Well, this wasn't a lead character. It was just, no, it was a, just, a, it was just a yeah. Just to fill up a gap. So we left it. And then about six months later, um, a, a woman called Julie Westbury, who was a textiles teacher at Northbrook, knew we were well into comics. She'd seen what we'd been doing. And she'd been to Goldsmiths um, to, to do a degree back in the um, early 70s. And she had friends who had gone on to be part of the comic industry. So she invited one of them down. That was a guy called Brett Ewins, who was uh, an artist on Judge Dredd and various strips in 2000 AD. And he came down and did a lecture for us. And then at the end of the lecture, we just absolutely mobbed him, like sort of, you know... Yeah. Like, yeah. How can we <laughs> like do total what you fanboys, do? yeah. And, and made sure he went home with, with a copy of our our comic nice. that we'd printed. And then again, nothing happened for like a year. And we left college. I started printing t-shirts and making like small fanzines and things. Jamie and Philip went off and started illustrating, doing spot illustrations for a magazine called Commodore User, right. which was for the Commodore 64 computer. Very niche market. <laughs> the, scary, the scary thing is I used to read that magazine, so yeah. now I'm just wondering if I actually did, did know their work before I actually knew who they were. Okay, fair enough. So um, then suddenly Brett popped up again. Right. And he'd been having discussions with another artist called Steve Dillon and also Brett's girlfriend, her best friend, was going out with a guy called Tom Astor. And if you know the Astor family, they, in the 1920s, they were the richest family in Britain. Mm. So Tom was a bit of a playboy, and um, he was a big comic fan. And Brett had kind of uh, told him that, you know, we could just do our own comic, and he was so well up for it. And also the idea was that if they did this new comic, they would be able to let artists and writers and creators keep the rights to their own property, which never really happened before. You know, the guys who invented all of those strips for 2000 AD, the, yeah. they were all sucked up into the company. They didn't get to keep the rights. So, um, so that they, was revolutionary. It was it. revolutionary, yeah. So they created um, 
a magazine which was half comics, half music, and sort of uh, cultural interviews and cool. articles. It was cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. And um, so that was October 1988. And uh, Brett had his own character called Johnny Nemo. And that was going to be the cover star. It was going to be the thing that sort of would pull the punters in. Because it had already had its own, its yeah. own comic. Um, uh, but, and then Jamie delivered the... Sorry, basically, the, what we're talking about, by the way, is Deadline. This is, yeah, we haven't this, said the name yet. This <laughs> isn't a copy of Deadline. This is, <laughs> this is the, the anniversary coloured edition of Tank Girl, but it looked very much like that, and the, and the first issue had this image on the front. And as soon as, as soon as Jamie delivered that image, they were like, right, that's going on the front of issue one. And then it just went off like a rocket and uh, sort of became the became the icon of the magazine which then went on for for seven years yeah so. the one thing that i always found and i think we talked about this um, at chichester but um i'm gonna repeat it here just in case anyone wasn't there i when i was reading deadline um it was definitely about the aesthetic it was about that the the, the way that tango was presented but was tank girl being created completely out of his own brain or was there because uh, there was that period of time in that late 80s when everyone did dress up like tank girl but did that come from the comic or did was that influenced from i think well the, was it was, still a, was it a, a kind of like a hangover from the like the punk aesthetic it was but but, but also there was um oh, yeah, the whole London. australian thing sort of right. comes into play there where you know, Jamie decided he wanted to set it in Australia, which he says was because there were no buildings in Australia. <laughs> so he could just draw, like, uh, Looney Tunes kind of scrubland with rocks. Buildings and, and horses. Yeah. It's in comics, it's the two you avoid. <laughs> so, uh, so we had this idea to set it in Australia, but not just because of that, because, but the zeitgeist of Australia at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, Neighbours was the hugest TV show. Um, and the stars of Neighbours, Kylie and Jason Donovan, were constantly at number one in the charts. Anyone um, under the age of 16, 18 right now, yeah. it was a different time, man. It was, and also... We, we, it was, it's not something we really should be proud of. No. <laughs> but also, um, uh, Crocodile Dundee was the biggest hit movie of that year. Paul Hogan, his own TV show was on TV. And then there was Mad Max. Yeah. So, um, I think what... For the aesthetics, really what Jamie did was take the indie scene, which was very much sort of charity shop yeah. chic of the 80s, and he mixed it with Mad Max. And, and that sort of equaled the, the initial look of Tank Girl. What was the regularity of Deadline? It was uh, monthly. In, well, I mean, how, and, and how strict was that? Because, I mean, obviously uh, it felt very DIY. No, or, they were... Or, 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 if, if, if not DIY... That certainly um, uh, not mainstream. Mm. Let me. Let, I'll put it that way. So there was this kind of feeling of we're going to create this. We're putting this book together. We're going to create this on our own terms. Just how, I mean, how regular and how kind of nailed down were you in terms of like your well, we schedule? personally, yeah. or <laughs> not, not, not. Well, deadline itself, they were very professional about it. It, it did get a bit wobbly towards the end. Yeah. But um, to start with, they were, they were great, which meant that we had to be spot on as yeah. well. 
And to start with, um, we were we acted professional, but then it started to get a bit ropey. But we, I don't think we ever missed. No. But what we used to do would would be we'd leave it until the last minute. So we would be uh, we would be um, down the pub for three weeks, and then we'd suddenly come up with an idea, and then we'd go back to Jamie's flat, and it would we'd work nonstop for five days, <laughs> right the way through the night, and and then suddenly we'd have the strip at the end of it. So it was it was really instant. That was going to be my and, next yeah. question as to what was the uh, kind of the. The method of putting the, the strip together, who who came up with the initial ideas, or was it just generally it was, a full-blown group? It was just me and Jamie just being Spindle, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'd just have, we would be down the pub and, you know, someone would call someone the wrong name or steal someone's cigarettes or something would happen that would give us a little idea of... <coughs> what could drive the story mm. and then and then it would expand from that or we'd just see a movie we like and then we'd rip off a big part of that and glue it <laughs> to something else and sounds very mad magazine in yeah, there sort of, yeah. to that degree Excellent. yeah but we loved the we loved the um, immediacy of it and we didn't really realize when we first did it but we were we would we would finish strip and um, and normally we'd st- we'd finish the strip on the morning that it had to go to press and there was no email or anything mm. so we had big sheets of artwork that had to be at London Bridge uh, where the deadline office was and also very nearby their printers because it was printed just down the road sure. from, from their office it had to be there at like 9 o'clock in the morning and we'd still be working on it at midnight the night before so one of us, we'd like take it in turns to stay up and get the milk train in the morning and, and be there um, at the printers. So uh, most of the time we would completely bypass any editorial. They wouldn't be able to spell check, as you can see. When, with the, <laughs> we've reprinted this stuff a lot, and, uh, and it's now been recolored. And uh, my publisher said, do, do you want us to correct the spelling? Really? And I was like, no, it's got to stay as it was. <laughs> nice. So it's still, it's still as appallingly written as, as it was back then. So, and, and we would deliver it straight to them. So no one got even to know. The editors didn't know. Stephen yeah. Brett would be completely surprised when it came back from the printers and they'd see what we'd actually put in there. How tunnel-visioned were you at that point in terms of putting <clears> the, the book strip together? The reason why I ask that is how... When did you start noticing that Tangill really was making such an impression? And indeed Deadline as a as a as a magazine, because I, it, for me, it kind of rode on a wave of a number of magazines. Yeah. Such as The Face, such as, um, you know, those cool magazines of that, that period. ID. ID, yeah. and yeah. So, I mean, um, did you get a sense of how much of an impact it was making? No, or it, was like a, it was like a slow reveal, because again, you know, we t- take for granted knowing how successful is something is now. Yeah. With, with social media and, 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 um, and the internet. But back then, there was no way of gauging. And, and for the first year almost, I think we just, we were in a little bubble. We didn't know. Because the first issue came out, the first issue of Deadline came out at UCAT Comic Convention, yeah. which is the one convention we went to. There was that, and then there was the same version up in Glasgow. Um, 
So we didn't really know until we went back a year later and, and saw the response at that point. And, and we knew it was doing okay, but we were in Worthing, yeah. you know? We weren't even in London. Um, uh, but we knew, we knew people were buying it, but we didn't know what, what they thought of it. So when did, you, when did you first have your first tank girl appear in front of you? Uh, well, in, no, I don't mean the, the actual print. No, I mean well, actually, someone dressed as Tank Girl. Yeah, well, the thing was that Brett was Brett was all for publicity, right? And he did hold uh, Tank Girl lookalike competitions, right? Which me and Jamie used to kind of cringe about <laughs> because basically you'd get these girls and they'd come up to us and they'd all be completely hammered, probably on like special brew or something, and you know, with half their teeth missing and eyes pointing in different directions, but their head shaved and, uh, you know, all of the tank girl ephemera kind of falling off of them. And, and we'd have to, like, act like this is what we wanted and how we were really happy. And, and they were really aggressive and, uh, well, for, on the most part. There was one or two who were quite sweet, but a lot of them were just, like... They took, they, the, were, they took the character they and took it, it. And they were like, you know, we don't need you. You yeah. created it. We'll, we'll just kill you. Yeah, so uh, it was quite shocking. It's quite <laughs> wow. Okay, um, I think this is. I I, I know we're going to be skipping a little bit further on, and don't worry, we are going to be taking request, uh, uh, questions from you guys as well. So do start thinking about any questions you want to put to the guys. Um, I'm going to jump a massive gap now because I would like to actually bring Ray. at some point Warwick into the conversation uh, because I mean. Your illustration work has been growing and developing leaps and bounds uh, in terms of your uh, public profile. Um, but when did you first know Tank Girl as a, as a character yourself? Um, and how much of an influence did Jamie's work have on your uh, initial um, comics work? Um, I was just, same as Alan, uh, Growing up, very small. Just comics were just part of everything. So you, I did wouldn't necessarily pick comics out much amongst everything else because what films more were playing. Marvel UK or no, no 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 it was UK stuff. It was you know we didn't see many American comics where I you know where we were. You'd find a few every now and then. So it was all the British published okay. published stuff. So uh, you know I mean Eagle and 2018 and Battle and. Wizard and Chips and you know, Bino and all I was about to say, Bino and Danny has not mentioned once yet. Yeah, so no. Let's get it mentioned at least some, <laughs> at some point today. But the, so there was all that, and it was just that's the sort of stuff I was drawing. I always liked drawings, enjoying drawings. So more comics, I just sort of, you know, anything new or different, I just grab it and read it, go through it, and then copy the bits out. I like, trace this that, and the other. And, and so it was there, but it, I remember recently have a conversation the sort of the first time I definitely remember seeing Tank Girl was actually on a t-shirt I've probably read the comic or had seen it before then um, but it was at, at Northbrook I was at Worthing at Northbrook so you were just you, a couple you of came years. to the same college but well like five years behind yeah, us was it four, yeah, five, yeah I started 93 Right. Yeah. So, I was so we, yeah. yeah, five so years. The yeah. coolest kid in the class, who I didn't know then, but it was because it was the first day we were there. We were sat in the 
sort of the main drawing room hall kind of thing and this guy came in with a tank girl t-shirt and was the coolest kid in the class I sat down and I remember that then and then I think probably went rooting back home to find my tank girl stuff from there but Jamie's I worked in a comic shop in Chichester um, around that time and for a few years well I was getting paid in comics rather than money it was a weekend job so I was just coming home with piles of and just made myself thoroughly sick of just piles and piles of nonsense American comics and went to university to, uh, in Bristol to do an illustration degree and just took sort of reduced massive boxes down to a, a fairly small pile of stuff which I thought I'd, I went off and wanted to draw um, sort of children's books and things like that but always had these comics to go back on and so the deadline who were, stuff. So who were your influences? Um, well there was, there was the deadline stuff and the Tank Girl Jamie's right. artwork and then there was 2000 AD artists like Mick McMahon and Kevin O'Neill and then the uh, the Ray, you know, Jack Kirby Mobius um, and oh, a, yeah just so a, they, I'm, I'm seeing a, a little bit of a, a kind of through point with those artists there's a lot of granular, granularity in the artwork in that you have very strong um, character lines and very strong create uh, sort um, of the actual characters and the, the uh, the look of the uh, of the artwork, but you've got lots of detail and lots of granularity going on. Yeah, especially yeah. McMahon, especially in like I say with Kirby. So yeah. uh, is that where it, I'm guessing that kind of texture it kind of feeds into what you? Well, do? Yeah, I could. Well, I just the best way it seemed to, to get better at what I was doing. I'd you know I'd have a terrible time. But, you know I was drawing these figures and they're all basically all the same, but with different outfits and different hair and different this. And you know the bits you couldn't draw like the noses. I just I don't know you do something funny there and then you'd see that some guy was drawing there was um, one of the I can never remember which one it is someone like John Bushimer or someone of the okay. America, uh, Marvel artist just did a shadow under the nose sort of a no nose and a Hitler moustache yeah. and that was all you needed and then suddenly you realise well that's perfect you, I don't have to draw the nose draw the shadow and as long as it's looking face on and then someone else drew it a different way and you start to look at so you know you know, certain artists would only draw them certain ways, and by looking at all these different artists from different sorts of things as well, comics and, and sure. art and, and, and animation, you know, that's all you could take bits of that. And once you got the noses down sorted, then you went <laughs> off to another bit that was different, and then and that all sort of so you go on and laps as well, you do it. So once you sort of you know, you borrowed someone's trick to do it that way, and then before you know it, a few years later, you've realized you've adapted a couple of other people's noses. And, for example, Moses. But I um, mean, you know, it's so it was just taking stuff from everybody yeah. all the time and changing quite but, a lot. But what how, was my and how, how, far, how far up the pile was Jamie's work? Well, again, it, it was on top often. Yeah. But then other days, other people's would be on top, and it was I was never sort of sitting still with with a favourite. It's quite difficult to say which is my favourite because I can definitely tell you which is my favourite. But then the next day it'll be a different one. Sure. So that stuff's always on running around. Okay. So, which seemed which is seemed quite healthy. I, from this point of view, from this side of things, because you, you don't want to, you know, the people have got their own style, and however sure. they got there, you don't want to copy it. So, in that regard, then, um, what I mean, who approached who first when it came to actually pairing you two up for Tank Girl? I mean, we've got <coughs> the the book there, which uh, uh, we can yeah, well show everybody. Uh, was one we did together but Warwick's also we got our, a new series out at the moment which has a whole bunch of uh, different artists in including Warwick so Great Tank Girl All Stars is that's, uh, that's Greg Staples that yep. that's uh, that's our own uh, variant cover from my, my online shop 
available nowhere right. else but from me. But it, it, this, yeah, Alan got in touch with me. Um, okay. It was, it was um, uh, well, I was looking for an artist, or artists, mm. and I'd kind of put the word out, and various people were, were sort of coming back to me and saying, oh, I could do it, I could do it. But I was finding it hard to find anyone who sort of embodied that humour and that spirit and that wildness. And it doesn't necessarily be need to be it in the style of Jamie. Like Jamie. It yeah. just needs to. It needed to have. It needed to have that spirit. Did and, was, there, um, was there any words that uh, Alan used? What well, these are? The, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> was there any kind of like touchstones that he was? He went. This is okay. This is what I'm after. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think because by that stage you'd seen it. Yeah, well, the I'd word. seen, I'd seen, yeah. So Warwick didn't, you didn't actually approach me. I approached you, didn't yeah. you? Got so touch. it was the other way around. But it was, um, it was Glyn Dillon who was, uh, who, oh, okay. um, who is uh, Steve Dillon, yeah. who started Deadline. He's his younger brother, and Glyn's now. He worked with us on Deadline, and he's now designing. Um, he's costume designer for Star Wars, and um, but he he. Put, he said, "You've got to look at Warwick's work." He said, "You know, definitely use Warwick. Get Warwick involved." So, I I, I had one look, and I think you'd done like a two-page Tank Girl story. Yeah, I don't know. Sort of ice cream van or something. And, and I looked at, it and I went, "Yeah, that's brilliant." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, what made you want? To, uh, let's go back a little bit then. What made you want to come back to Tank Girl? Uh, poverty. <laughs> Fair enough. No, well, the thing was, I mean, to cut a long story short, we went through the whole arc of uh, a deadline, and it got to the end, and it ended up where it was always looked like it was going to go, which is Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, so um, we got to Hollywood. Uh, it was shopped around Hollywood. Nobody wanted it. Finally, we got a semblance of a deal together with MGM. And the film was made, and it flopped, and we didn't like it. I was trying to leapfrog over that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just do an I was here. trying yeah. to leapfrog over. So, uh, and that left, and that pretty much killed the comic, because we were really sort of, we, would, film, we were just the film felt wasn't lost. Cool, the comic wasn't. Yeah, we kind of lost it. We were trying to keep all of that rolling. Um, well, what happened was that the the publishers at Deadline thought they would take Tank Girl out of Deadline, put her in her own magazine, which was with Manga UK here and in um, uh, republished by DC Vertigo in America. Um, and once they'd taken Tank Girl out of Deadline, it just folded. Right. Um, and Philip wasn't really doing anything for it then either. He'd gone off and he was working on other, other comics, and so had Glyn. So Deadline folded, and then the film came out, and the Tank Girl magazine just fizzled out. And we just sort of walked away from it. It was just like a car crash that we didn't know how to deal with. Yeah. So we walked away and left it for uh, probably five or six years until Titan, who are now publishing all of, all of Tank Girl, um, came back to me, and they said, do you, well, they actually came back to Tom and said, do you want to... Right. republished Tango because at that point Jamie was getting gorillas together yeah. and um, there was this whole back catalogue of stuff that wasn't in print so I, we said yeah okay so I started to, to help sort of uh, piece together artwork and covers for a reissue series 
And in doing that, I wrote some introductions. And on the first book, there was a few pages, I think it was three or four pages left. And I, I said to them, I'll, I'll just write a script as if it was a lost script, you know, the long lost Tank Girl script. And I make out that, you know, I just found it in a drawer somewhere and we're republishing it here for the first time and it was, no one's ever seen it. So I sat down and I wrote a four page Tank Girl story and, and it was just so easy. And, I, and when I got to the end of it, I thought, well, I might as well do some more because obviously, you know, this, this series is going to sell because the renewed interest in, in Jamie's artwork. How did it so, feel about putting that together on your own? Because obviously you'd... Well, put, I, I was doing it in conjunction with the, with the publishers and editors, okay. but... Um, but I mean, uh, out, you know, obviously when you first put it together, it was, it was part of that gang. It was. So, yeah, um, well, it, yeah. it started to become very nostalgic at that point. Okay. Yeah, and and it was you so, know, so you have the other voices of the lads in the back of the head. Yeah, like yeah, well, I know what their tastes yeah. are and what they find funny. I mean, you know, it's like falling off a log, really. But um, induced schizophrenia. Yeah, nice. But it's yeah, it it was very nostalgic, and uh, and also I discovered a lot that I didn't even you know I'd forgotten we'd done because there's there's there was a lot done uh, for various different publications that had just sort of. You know, I'd had a copy of it yeah. once and it had just disappeared. So I started uh, rounding it all up. And I still am. There's still bits out there that have been published in places that I'd, I've completely forgotten about. So it's, it's an ongoing process of uh, updating the back catalogue. And there's always another bit of artwork will emerge where, uh, you know, like a guy who I went to Northbrook with called Gary came along to the London Film and Comic Con a couple of weeks ago that we were at. And he showed me a picture that Jamie had drawn for him. And it's like a real, almost finished piece of Tank Girl art. And he'd just given it to Gary. And, and I was, wow, you've got to scan that because, you know, that's a cover of a wow. special edition. You know, it's just lost. All this artwork's just lost. Fair enough. So, and it, okay. Mm. So the um, new take on Tank Girl, um, being published by uh, Titan, what's in terms of what you wanted to do with the book, how much was it a case of doing something as an anniversary thing? Or how much was it a case of actually creating something that would then move forward as a well, this, as an actual narrative? Well, this, this specific series yeah. is more of a, an anthology. It's more of a, like an, I always think of the end book. And we did the Kickstarter book which has got seven different artists in it. Right. And I did that thinking it would be much more like a traditional British annual where you've got a long story, a short story, you know, a poster page, and it just, you know, it just keeps rolling. So, so this has got, it's got a long story in it, but mm -hmm. it's only 10 pages per issue. Okay. Um, so really this is just a big sort of grab bag of, uh, of Tank Girl with lots of different artists. But the next series... So very much like the original. Very much like, like the, the original, original, yeah. But the next series, uh, as, with, as with this and as with some of the stuff that I've been doing with the, the current artist, Brett Parson, who we did a trilogy together that's just about to be released in a massive, big, fat anniversary book um, called uh, The Legend of Tank Girl. And that was Two Girls, One Tank, uh, Tank Girl Gold, and a World War Tank Girl. With, with, so it was a big story arc. So I'm kind of getting into that again now because yeah. um, it's just been announced that Tank Girl is going to be an ongoing title. 
So as of the end of this series, the next issue that comes out will be Tank Girl number one, and then it will just go. So it will be, well, you know, by the end of the year, we'll be up to Tank Girl 12. Yeah. And next year, we'll, you know, it will just keep rolling as a continuous numbered book. When it came to the book that you did, I mean, was it always going to be a contained uh, piece of work that you two were going to work on? Or was there the intention to carry on? I mean, what was what was your arrangement, as it were? Well, kind of it was because it was only yeah. coming out. They, they were only that up until it was only coming out as a, sh- as a short series at the time yeah. because there was um, well, it, she sort of came started being reprinted with uh, Ashley Wood and then Rufus Dayglow for a bit, and then it was quite handy. It was quite helpful to get a few artists' distance between sort of Miss my, me and the and the original because you know. Yeah. Any, you know, it, uh, it's quite a daunting prospect yeah, to follow the original shop, stuff. Shop, shop, and so, yeah, yeah. Jamie's the well, yeah, and well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, but the styles of those, there was because there was Ashley and, and Rufus, and then um, Mick McMahon did a three or four issue karaoke. Was he did a, a, a yeah. series, and then the style went way over here. Yeah. And then Jim Mafood did three issues, and it went way over there. So to come and follow in after that. Mm. What's been the reaction really to people coming up to you, Tango fans, who obviously have so much um, love for Jamie's original work and style? Mm. What's, what was the reaction when, with people that came up to see you? Uh, the reaction of people when I meet them is nice. <laughs> but the reaction, the reaction of the people online. online is, that, yeah, it can be different. But right, it's okay. when it's. I just delete them. It, it was, it, it, I'm, you I'm know. I'm a big Warwick fan, so I've got time for that. <laughs> if someone wants to be nasty, I can go and do it somewhere but else. But it's, you know, I, this, she's a massive character, and so everyone is. There's, there's fans from all different bits fans from the film, fans, fans from the original books, and there's, you know, just fans from the, you know, the idea of Tank Girl, mm. and, you know, even just fans of the, of the tattoos. You, you know, they're, they're just, there's a world of them, and they've all got. Their relationship with the character, so taking it on, I knew well, even it wasn't going to be any way. I, I thought, how am I going to be able to make this, you know, least painful for people to? to and in the end, I had to decide to just do it my way because there's no point trying to change it. Yeah. Um, there were people who weren't going to enjoy it as much, and really, you know, I couldn't blame them. And um, it, yeah, hopefully, well, the more artists around, there are more people that they can sort of whose style they'll take to but there was no sense in me trying to make it look a bit like somebody else's because it wouldn't it was never going to work and then I wouldn't be happy with it either whereas sure. if I just thought right I'll just sort of put my crash helmet on and, and go for it that makes, so. sense. that makes sense cool okay um, obviously I want to try and get some questions from you guys so if you have any questions for Alan or Warwick if you'd like to uh, stick your hand up and shout out is there anybody who wants to put questions to these two while you have them in front of you. <laughs> Whereas this is where everyone has nice British reserve and nice... You can always come and ask a, a, Absolutely. a table yeah, in a minute we're if we're you're not far. Yeah, okay. you don't want to shout out. Um, what's the uh, ownership of t- Tank Girl at the moment? I mean, is it still the, the original deal that you own the character? Well, it, it went through, it went through a process of it was me and Jamie and then when the film deal was done... We became like a trinity with Deadline, so it was me, Jamie, and Deadline. But um, Tom sort of relinquished the rights back to us, so um, all publishing rights are held by me and Jamie. 
all film and media rights are held by MGM. That's the reason why I was asking, because there is always these rumblings in the background of another Tank Girl movie. Mm. Thoughts on that? I can't really talk about that at the moment. Ah, okay. <laughs> is that something that is... Okay, I was going to say, then, is that something that is possibly on the cards, then? But, well, like... Well, in a couple of years' time, you might see me laughing and smiling, or you might see me crying. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> or you Fair might enough. be seeing me just exactly I like as I am I'm, now, and um, nothing will have happened. But, I, well, I like yeah. the way that you say a couple of years' yeah. time. I'm, I'm just reminded of the Douglas Adams quote about how films are made in Hollywood, that it's a little bit like taking a steak into a chef's kitchen and having a series of chefs breathe on it for yeah. four or five years on a repeat. Yeah, that's how a film gets made. Yeah. So, okay, we will leave that conversation alone then. Um, what's next for Tank Girl in print? Tank Girl in print is... Obviously, it is the, uh, the ongoing. Well, yeah, the All-Stars finishes um, in a couple of months, and then the next series is actually called um, Tank Girl Action Alley, ah, and it's okay. the start of... Um, I'm, j I'm just changing the way I'm approaching the scripts, which um, up until now, I've kind of avoided filling in any backstory or going too deep, because that's what the film did, and they did it wrong. And now I've looked at that, and I thought, because uh, yeah, they did it without humour, but I thought, well, why didn't I just do it with humour? So now I'm going to start to tell origin stories of, you know, why there's talking kangaroos, <laughs> which up until now, we've always been... We've always said, well, you know, you there's don't, talking kangaroos. There's talk, yeah, you, you you don't watch Bugs Bunny and for five minutes going, why is the rabbit talking? Do you? <laughs> you 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 sit there and you just go, yeah, it's just, you know, this is fun. So and that's that's the approach I've always had, but I think I, I'm now uh, I'm now going to fill in all of that backstory, mm -hmm. and and I'm going to do it in quite a geeky kind of you know who's got the best powers kind of way, so that. You know, the, it could turn into a role-playing game if you wanted to. Nice. Um, but also, yeah, you've, you've got all that information and you've got all those profiles. Okay. But also, it's, a world of, uh, it's a world of ideas as well that we've never really explored. How much have you got planned so far? Just the first series. All right, okay. I've read, well, I call it a series, but like we were saying, that with, with that, we've, up until now, we've worked in mini-series, which is four issues. And then bang, you've got your graphic novel. Sure. Um, it's still going to work that way, but with the continuing numbering system, you can be a lot more loose and sort of wander off with your story into, into wherever it may go. So, Lots of stuff yeah. when it comes to Tank Girl on the way, which I'm very much enthusiastic about. Uh, especially off the back of, yeah, at the end of the day, Birthday Girl. As Indeed, well. yes. So, uh, it's yep. uh, good to 30th see. 30th anniversary. So, um, she's looking good for 30. Not too <laughs> bad at all. Yeah. Um, in terms of yourself, Warwick, um, I mean, you've been a busy boy. Uh, <laughs> you've got yourself some uh, big books that have been out certainly the last two years. I mean, obviously, Samurai Jack. Uh, Sam oh, good grief. Samurai Jack. I mm -hmm. still don't think I've said it right. Um, what is on. What, what are you up to at the moment? Um, well, I did. Yep. I, it's just it was a bit of a, a mad year where I did a series for IDW called Helen the Crash, mm. and then I did a, a, a one-off book with with um, Dark Horse called Mr Higgins Comes Home, which was written by 
Mike Minola, and I did that, and then into after that into five issues of, of Samurai Jack again for ID, for IDW. I was going to very quickly mention Mr. Mignola and yeah. uh, what was that like? As a, I mean, to come from one very strong um, talent of uh, a str- creating strong characters such mm. as yourself. Thank there you, you go. That's me blowing smoke up your ass for a bit. Um, so, Mr. Mignola, um, that I mean, what was what was the process of actually creating books with him? I mean, um, he said, "Do I want to do it?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> and that was it. And then okay. he, he wrote it all in about. Well, I saw. I met him at at um, Thought Bubble Festival a couple of years ago. We were on a sketch panel together, and. Um, there was four of us. We were sort of drawing in the cameras, and so, and we. It was good fun on the panel, and we said hello and just retired to the bar. Met. Well, no, I just went round to his table to get my book signed afterwards, and uh, because he'd just done the panel, there was no one at the table. I, so I gave him some of my books, and he knew some of my work anyway online, and he sort of had a bit of. He just went through like that and said, "Well, we should do something together," and I thought, "Well, I went away thinking." Well, yeah, I, well, that was it. I was just thinking, he's never going to get in touch, obviously. So, but I, that's just the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. So then I went off, and then a few weeks later, I posted a vampire picture on, online, and I did the dentist waiting for my family, and he, he got a, sent a message to say, do you want to do this? Then? And at which point, again, that was like, my God, yes, of course, but also, this is never going to happen. And then um, he... He we again got in touch with an outline, and, uh, and I, I mean I never I, even when the comp it was when the uh, thirty books turned up in a box and I was still not hundred percent sure it was going to happen <laughs> even when I opened them. But and so then and then it was so we had this outline and then he said right I'm going to week, this weekend or whatever I'm going to just write it out, and um, and then that was the the U.S. presidential election night. So I thought well that's in the wind now. So it, you know, and then no and then it came and so. Every stage was, it's going to stop here. And so I got the editor got in touch, and then the editor said, right, we're going to get to the finance people. And I thought that was finished there. And, but then no, it just kept going. So, and he just wrote it. He just he wrote it and sent it, and I just drew it, and he didn't... You so know, it, it was very simple. Yeah, because it, and, it, and it had... It was amazing, but it also had nothing... It was... It's our own characters. So it was... There wasn't that element. I mean, if I'd have been drawing Hellboy, I'd have, yeah. I'd have been, you know, I'm back to Tank Girl sort of time. Well, I'd have been that hiding behind a wall doing the whole lot and worried about what people are going to think. But that wasn't involved at this stage. Well, that kind of like will lead me on to the, the topic which should kind of like will wrap up on, which is going on to Samurai Jack. Jack, at the end of the day, is a very much beloved character. Yeah. And there is that massive fan base. Yep. Very much like Tank Girl. Did Tank Girl allow you? prepare you for doing Samurai Jack? Definitely, because it was the same, same process, yeah. the same idea. There was no way... The artwork I would be trying to follow or, or catch up with was so much better. Or, you know, I, I was holding it. I mean, you know, same with, with, um, with Tank Girl Art, same with Samurai Jack. You know, it wasn't such a sort of pedestal for me that I knew I'd never be able to approximate it in whether I could or whether I could convince people I could do it similar, or just in my own eye, I know I'd never be able to get to it, because so much of the artwork in both cases was, I just loved so much and was so striking. So again, it was, it, it was, a, it was the same process. I just thought, we just have to do this our you way. You have to and dive in. Yeah, well, yeah. they were going to do it. it was, the, the, the final series was coming out, so, so 
uh, Adult Swim, which was they were doing it. That's Cartoon Network, but yeah. it's the, so they were going to do it, and they were they asked IDW to if they would do a five issue series, and Gen, yeah, the, the creator Gendy Tartakovsky was involved, and um, he asked them for me to do a cover one of the variant covers for the series it, it, I was one of the names on a list sure and at that time I was doing Helena Crash so then IDW said to him he's working with us at the moment so they then asked me to pitch for the series which was amazing but I then got the writer with Helena Crash who was I mean one of the first things in the first bit of the Helena Crash kind of plan was this is like a Samurai Jack kind of world so then, yeah, so he wrote it and I drew it and we pitched it and, and got it. And so, and then immediately tried to make it as least like, less like Samurai Jack as we possibly could. Because it, 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 the series is... He's making it sound so easy to make comics, isn't he? It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They it's, write it, I yeah, draw it, we publish it. Well, it's that's, so that's, simple. That's how, how it goes. And, and, and in terms of getting the jobs, you just wait till someone you think's fantastic asks you to do it. <laughs> or, that's, get, that's, or, you, or you get invited onto one of their panels. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, not, not like 30 years of panicking and doing any other job that comes along. Fantastic. Whether it, but, um, so yeah, so it was, the, the series was, was designed so people could hopefully read it as a comic and, and wouldn't put it next to. I mean, I, one of the first reviews of Samurai Jack, there was a guy who'd never watched an episode but heard oh so many good things about it and oh, yes. then, then read the first comic. That's not the right way to introduce yourself to Samurai Jack. <laughs> that's, that's not the way to do it. Fair enough. One last chance, people. Any questions that you would like to put to, uh, to our guests while we have them? It looks like we're all talked out. I think we're okay. okay. I think we're all right. The guys are going to be at their table. Uh, if you want to find out more about, um, the, if you want to pick up copies, like I say, this is exclusive to you. That cover that is exclusive. That cover is yeah. exclusive yeah. to this table. So do check that out. And um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where Tank Girl goes from here on in because it sounds like there's still so many more stories to tell. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, can you make some noise, please? For Alan, for Warwick, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.